0: I have a source of strength
1: i Church. Yes, I...
2: Palm Sunday, I, you, we usually do a communion on Palm Sunday just to keep from putting it on a lot of visitors, but this year we're going to do it different. We're going to do it on Easter. I didn't tell Dave yet, but I want to do it on Easter if it's possible. And uh, I appreciate everybody being here, and I hope you prepared for the day but i want you to prepare for next week also you know what we got people that needs to come to church we got people that probably will come to church but i want you to prepare your heart and prepare for what god's doing god is trying to reach i think for the last days for the last times sometimes it might be the last chance someone has We've got to be prepared in our heart and in our spirit to reach out, open the door, let the love of Jesus shine. I know God's doing a great work. I know God's reaching a lot of souls. But the enemy's working overtime to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to pray and we need to work hard at what God has given us to do for this day. I love him. I asked DJ to speak this week, and I know God has been on his heart all week long, so I thank you for the offering. Praise God.
3: Good to have you with us this morning. I hope and pray that you've had a wonderful week. I can say this has been an interesting week, nonetheless. As last Sunday, we were preparing to come back to church last Sunday afternoon, we were Definitely come back 55 out of 55 Sundays that we're in town and or 52 or what, you know what I mean. And uh, Brother Tom was going to be doing last Sunday night and we got a call last Sunday afternoon that our mother-in-law was potentially having a heart attack. So we went and got her and spent our Sunday in an emergency ward and sitting outside and trying to figure out what's going on with that. And uh, thankfully and prayerfully there was no heart attack. Uh, But we don't know what it was, whether it was something viral or something emotional or whatever, but nonetheless, whatever happened from that, uh, we go back home and last week and uh, Bondi and I began feeling not quite well and kind of had a bug of this or a bit of that or a little bit of that and we don't know what it was. And nonetheless, we're back on the saddle again and then Thursday we go for just a Routine dental thing and Miss April's most enjoyable thing. They wanted to do extensive dental work. She loves it as much as I do, especially the like 87-inch needles they pull out. You know, which some of you surely loves needles. We know that, but it's been an interesting week nonetheless. And I'm sure that I could echo the same thoughts that many of you perhaps have had the same things within your lives, every day and every week. I want to start it out today, and I hope and I pray that uh, I'm on the right path. There's nothing more unsettling when you've prepared a message and you've given what you felt God would want you to give and every psalm they get up and sing is not completely <laughs> in line with what you've prepared. So I can do one or two things. I can be instant in season and change course or I can deliver what God's given me to give. But I think we'll dig it back into him. and we'll dial it in. I'd ask you, we're going to be mostly in the book of Galatians today. I don't like to use a lot of verses and jump a lot of places because I think that takes away your time and distracts you, but I wanted to start it out today with this thought. There was a father and a son that were going out for an event, and they were going out for a golf outing. How many of you guys golf? I, I don't golf. I mean, some of you, I see a golfer back here, you and dad going out for a golf day, all right, and you're just going out, and you're going out there to have a good time, and all of a sudden, you know, you and dad make it a little bit of a competition. Yeah, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to do this. All of a sudden, you know, it's going back and forth and it's a beautiful day out. It's nice and it's sunny and it's all beautiful and everybody goes out with the greatest intentions to have a wonderful, wonderful day. But within about the second or third hole, the shot went this way and the, the sand trap got hit and You know, maybe uh, uh, Jerry hit one over in the woods and wanted to take a mulligan, and the kids said, no, no, it ain't going to happen. We're competing. You know, and all of a sudden you hit one, and and, and all this competition goes on, and all those hindrances and all those distractions and those sand traps and those those trees and, and all those things hindered you from having a great day. All of a sudden they got in the way of an enjoyable time. It wasn't any fun anymore. I don't know if you any fathers and you sons have ever done that. I coached my son in baseball. thought it was a great start, a great thing to do. And uh, one of the most disappointing things was trying to separate that, I'm coach here, but once we get into the car, I'm dad. You know, my son, was a, a, a. it was a miracle that he was even playing. He has surgery at three weeks old and things like that. And I never will forget the day that he finally off this one team that always seemed to beat us and always be better than we were. And the kid that happened to be pitching was one of our neighbors, of course, that he always played with. And this neighbor was just a super athlete. I mean, if you say jump five feet, he'd jump six. If you say run run five miles an hour, he'd do seven. If you wanted to run five miles an hour, Bradley would say, What? <laughs> You know, he was like, Bradley was like other people. They say they ran a marathon and made a big deal out of it. And he says, I can never in my life imagine even thinking about doing a marathon. Well, Bradley hits one to the fence that day. Best shot he'd ever hit off Ricky. I mean, he pounded that ball. And I'm thinking, Bradley, he's got a double or a triple. And he was slower than I am, surely. <laughs> double or triple at least. And I, and I turn around, and he's standing at first base. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, Dad, I thought I hit it out. And I said, Have you ever hit one out before? No. Then what makes you think you did now? Here I did. I took away a great thing by putting something else on it. I caused a hindrance to His joy, I caused a distraction. I have the feeling today that as we look upon what God has given us, we're looking at a Palm Sunday where Christ has come in a triumphant entry, to walk into the town of Jerusalem to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, raising their hands, so Hosanna, Hosanna. But they did not see him as Christ. They only saw him as a king, a king to fix their governmental problems. They allowed their own distractions and their own hindrances to get in the way of them really seeing what was going on. And then we can go in the Bible in the book of Judges chapter 13. Don't want you to go there, too too many pages turning, too many things to catch up. But a very familiar story. We see Samson was brought unto Jerusalem to be a judge for the people of Israel to bring them back and to save them from the Philistines and to deliver them from their bondage. But Samson's own moral depravity in his own life And the Delilahs that were in his way. It's interesting, the word Delilah, everybody thinks that it is a a woman. There was those distractions, but her name, one of her meanings is actually to languish and to destroy. It had destroyed, it had hindered him from being successful. And I can think in the book of Matthew chapter 17 where the disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had seen a great event and God moved in a spectacular way. And there they were upon that mount and God moved in so much that they were in in awe and they bowed down and even cried out, Lord, let us build three tabernacles to this glorious event. Let us build altars and tabernacles. Oh, we have seen you in your glory. And very soon after in the next chapter, they say, but Jesus, we brought our... Sick and are needy unto you, and unto I mean, excuse me, unto your disciples who were just on that mountaintop to heal him, to touch him, but they could not. So many possibilities I've just mentioned unto you. So many great expectations, an event in the secular world, going out for a golf day, A child hitting a great shot in a baseball game and being a hero off of that battle that he always had with that kid that always struck him out. I mean, I stole victory right out of him, didn't I? I expected him to be something else and I stole it right away. And Samson had the opportunity to deliver his people. But because of his own failures or his own moral depravity or the the compromise of his calling, he fell short. The disciples had that same opportunity to affect and to change lives. But he said, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. How long am I going to be with you until you finally realize that I'm enough? O you perverse generation. How long am I going to walk with you and to talk with you and to fellowship with you and to be with you where you do not yet see and will not yet see That I am all you need. See, we all have so many possibilities. We all have so many expectations. But I want to tell you something. As I grow older, maybe as I become a little wiser, just just a little bit. I've got some news for you. Whether you've been walking this road for one day. 100 days, 1,000 days, or whatever, they are going to be failures. There's going to be mess-ups. There's going to be goof-ups. There's going to be days where you're just going to foul it up. But the Word of God tells us in the book of Galatians, it tells us about something that I want to talk to you about this morning and for however long God has given. I don't want to make it go longer than it needs to go, but I want to get out what God has given me to give. There's nothing more uh, uh, more disruptive or more uh, uh, not right than to try to make something that it's not. But I want to give you what God has delivered unto me this morning, and I hope and I pray that you are encouraged. I hope that you are uplifted. I hope that you are challenged. I hope that you realize that though the opportunities are there, It tells us in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 7, chapter 5, verse 7, you did run well, who did hinder you? This persuasion, in verse number 8, comes not of him that has called you. You have ran well, but what has hindered you? I know, brother, I feel the same way sometimes. This persuasion that you are called upon, this hindrance that you are seeing in your life, these failures in your lives, the things that you are having in your life have not come unto you from the one that has called you unto salvation, that has brought you to his life, that has brought you to an altar prayer, that has delivered you from that life of bondage and destruction, but yet I still see that you're walking around in defeat, in despair, in lack of joy. You may not see it, but I see it upon the lives of individuals and I see it upon so many that have lost the joy that they've had in Jesus. They've, they've lost the, the excitement that they've had in the experience of Christ. That blood that cleanses them doesn't seem like they act like it works anymore. Oh, I'm such a goof up, you can't do it for me. Oh, if you read the whole book of Galatians, you'll realize that you've gone back unto another gospel. You've gone back unto the law. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. You've gone back to the things that you thought would make you righteous. You've gone back to your own works. I've got to do more. I've got to add more. I've got to be more. I've got to be better. I've got to read more. I've got to study more. I, I, I've got to make sure not I only go to my church services at my church, but i got to find a church every week because I'm so rotten. Something's got to fix me. Something's got to make me better because I'm failing. Let me tell you, this may sound weird coming from someone who's standing behind a pulpit preaching to you. You can read a thousand verses. You can pray for a thousand hours. You can go to every church in town. But if it's not Christ alone that you're depending upon, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna be enough. So, in spite of the opportunities, in spite of all the things that are out there, all the potential that's there, you're never gonna work out, legalize out, find a way to fix all the things in yourself and in this world that's gonna make it right. It's not going to happen. You've gone back unto legalism. You've gone back unto your own works. Paul said in that book, in the book of Galatians, I marvel that you've even thought about doing this. I'm amazed. And he says these words, not mine. Oh, foolish Galatians. In other words, he's almost saying, well, how dumb is that? That which you've left, you're now gone back unto. How is it working for you the first time? You think it's going to work now? See, we have the opportunities. I've read into you many different passages or referenced these different passages for you to look at this morning. See, Samson had the opportunity to bring deliverance to a people who needed to be delivered. His people were definitely in bondage. His people needed someone to step up and be the one that God had called to do that work. But yet because of the foolishness and the moral depravity or the lust or the desire within his own heart, Samson looked into the world and the world defeated him. The world was represented by a Delilah, an attractive temptress that's brought unto him to tear him down, to define where, as the old preacher used to say, where Samson's goat was tied. See, see the old world knows and the old devil knows exactly where your goat's at. Where your, t- where your trouble is, where your trial is. If it's that alcohol, he, he knows how to do that. If, it's that. if it's that drug, he knows how to do that. If it's that spirit of lust, he knows how to do that. If it's that spirit of defeat or negativity, he knows how to bring that up. If it's that spirit of that I'm not good enough, if it's that spirit that I'm never going to be right, if it's a spirit that, oh, my mom didn't love me enough, or oh, my dad didn't love me enough, oh, my family's a failure, I'm a failure, I've messed up, I've goofed up, I've had failures here. I've had failures there. I've not done this right. I don't look right. I don't act right. I don't talk right. I don't fit in anywhere that they have me to be. And the devil will just throw them all at you at every time at any point to say, yeah, you're right. You are enough. You are a failure. You don't deserve. You don't deny. You're not right. You're messed up. I'm me going tell you what. You're never going to be good enough in yourself. You never are. You never were. There are none righteous. No, not one. But all have come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for those in that very condition. That if they will claim the blood of Christ and accept the finished work. Let me say that again. The finished work at Calvary on your behalf. You are now made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. You're never going to be righteous in yourself. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be right. You're never going to read enough verses. You're never going to do enough of this. You're never going to have 18 devotionals. You can follow every online preacher that has every little ditty and every word and every little saying. And you can put them on your on your profile page. And you can do this and you can do that. And you can make all your motto of life. But at the end of the day, it's got to be about your relationship in a Savior who died for you and your trust for Him. Samson failed even though he had a calling from God. And the calling of God is without reproach. It is without reproach. Let me tell you what, I know that. There are many that would not want one to stand behind a pulpit. There would be one to say, that guy's not worthy. That guy's not worthy. Oh, this one doesn't deserve, or you definitely don't. You didn't do the calling. God's calling is without reproach. But Samson failed, just like the disciples. They had that opportunity to be a success. Think about that. They're on the mountaintop with Jesus himself and seeing God in all of his glory. So much that they bowed down in fear, bowed down in honor and looked upon him as, oh, what a great event. They had a mountaintop experience. So much that they wanted to do what we as men always do. As soon as we see God moving a great way, well, let's just build something and let's do something. How about just worship? See, that's what we do so much. We have opportunity to serve God, but what we begin to do is, well, let's just do some legalistic things. Let's build a bigger church, or let's build this, or this, or that, or that, or let's make another program. Let's add to, let Let's do this. Jesus, you were on the mountaintop was great, Well, you know what? We need to do a, we need to do a play about that, or or we need to do this. Let's build another program. Let's call it Mountaintop Jesus events, and before you know, we've got it advertised, socialized, and proselytized all over the world and over. What do y'all use now? Snap, scrap, snap, 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 snappy, what, chatty, or Instagrams, or or Facebooks? What is it? Jola Snapchat? Thank you there. Instagrams is that one? What other one, Emma? What we got? Over Savannah, gone? Yeah, you're using it. It's all over everywhere. And come to, the, we're going to have a miracle moment. Nine o'clock Sunday morning. Well, what happens if God wants to do it at nine forty-five? All too late. We didn't schedule it then. The disciples had the opportunity, but they failed. I've had many opportunities that I've messed up. I've had opportunities that I've just goofed up. How about you? And I tell you what, I beat myself up over them, and I've done this. But you know those opportunities, all they do is cause oppression upon me because the problems come, and they get so heavy that I walk around in defeat. And feel like, oh, I could have and I should have, but now I'm just defeated. I'm living in this oppression and this failure and this defeat. And I feel like I'm not just good enough. Oh, I'm never going to be. I I don't know. As as a young preacher, I've told you this before, 20-something years old, I had it all figured out, Tom, Randy. I had figured out how it was going to work. I'm going to do this, and at this age I'll do this, and blah, 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 blah. And by this time... (laughs) Those plans, full gospel assembly wasn't in that plan. <laughs> Other things weren't in that plan. Other situations were But I had it all figured out. I sure did. I sure did. But God said, good job. That plan's not mine. That's yours. Go ahead and walk down that path and see how well it works. What's the old saying that we say that some of you in the business world or in the life world? What's the, what's the uh, definition of insanity? Yeah doing the same silly thing over and over and expecting different results. Many of you have had opportunities and now they've come unto you again and you've tried to do it, but you've done it the same way you did before. And it didn't work for you the first time. You had that addiction that you tried to, you went to that meeting 12 times and you went here and you went there and, and for a moment in a place and a time you were better. Or you had that doubt or you did this or you had that fear or, or whatever that might have been. But it was brought upon you, and it didn't work the first time. And Let me tell you, it's not going to work this time. See, opportunities are faced with problems. See, Samson compromised his calling. He compromised what God had called him to do by his own desires. The disciples' failure was their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. They saw Jesus on the mount. They saw that all that He could do, but when it really came down to it, they didn't believe He could or would, because Jesus pronounced this, not me. Oh, you perverse and gener- your lack of faith, and what you need only comes about by your works, your self righteousness, and doing all no. He said, What you're after comes about only by prayer and fasting. You got to want it. You got to deny yourself. The opportunity was there. See, there's failures of life. I have them, we all have them. We have those Peter moments when we're on the mountaintop and we're strong and we feel like that we're just gonna make it. We're gonna make it. And we walk out on that water and we say, oh I'm gonna do it better this time. I'm gonna defeat it this time. I'm gonna beat it this time. It's not gonna get me this time. I'm gonna walk out of this boat. I'm gonna walk on this water and I'm gonna walk straight to Jesus and I'm not gonna do what happened before. I'm not gonna drown this time. I'm not gonna fall down in the water. I'm not gonna do it and as soon as we step out of the boat we take the first step and then we see the way and we do just like we did before oh this happened before oh my goodness it's going to happen again oh I'm not going to do it it's not going to work Oh, and then you begin to drown the hindrances that are pulling you back the things that are keeping you from succeeding the things that are keeping you from being what God wants you to be we all have those Thomas moments of doubt not this Thomas we say, oh, yeah, I believe, but I won't believe until I see it. Yeah, yeah, Bobby, you, have, yeah, not, yeah, you say that, but until I see it, I don't believe it. Yeah, 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 Sister Jeannie, you said God, yeah, wait," but I've got to see it for it to really be validated. <laughs> Who made me anything? Well, those Thomas moments. We have those Moses moments where we have that lack of confidence that God has really called us to do what He has called us to do. Oh Lord, not I. I'll go but but send Randy with me. I'll go but send Bobby with me. I, I, I need help. Okay. I, I was enough for you, but if you need help, I'll be enough for them too. We all have those Esther moments where we're in trouble. We don't know how the situation is going to end. Our families in danger. Our lives are in danger. We all have those Ruth weeping days where it just seems like everything has fallen apart. Where we thought the plan was what God had planned, but before you know it, we're weeping and we're crying and we're in the fasting days and we've lost everything and, and we're weeping and, and we're just in the despair. But all after those weeping days is the wooing days of God. He says, but I've got a plan. See, I, I've got a Boaz around the corner that you don't even know about. I've got a Naomi who knows about this. Oh, my daughter, just sit still and let him complete the work. That's what she told him about Boaz. Just sit still and let him complete the work. Just sit still and let him complete the work. You get what I'm saying there? Just sit still and let him complete the work because that man will not rest until he does the deed this day. He will not rest until his plan is complete in you. Sit still, ye, my daughter. Sit at the feet and just wait. All oh, the weeping days, the wooing days, but Boaz and Ruth, guess what? They had wedding days, too, where God came forth and says, I have now delivered out of your weeping. I've wooed you in all the wedding days, and wow, what God can do. Karen, what is it? He knocks your socks off. Say it, Karen. He knocks your socks off. There you go. There you go. You've had a rough week. Tell him. knocks your socks off. There you go. David had his cave moments. Any of you guys ever had a cave moment? Wait a minute, God told me and called me and I got some lunatic trying to kill me. And God, you called me to be in the palace and here I am in a cave. Wow, that doesn't make sense. You know where most of the Psalms were written? In the cave moments. In the cave moments. My Lord and my God. I shall not fear, though I walk through the valley of death. Think of about someone running for his life in a cave, perhaps writing those words, and they speak to you even more, don't they? I shall not fear, though I walk through the valley of death. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. I know I'm not quoting it verbatim. Don't get legalistic on me. We all have those one things. But I like what Paul counseled us. In this book of Galatians, and this is where we're going to kind of close it. I'm not done. Don't, don't get all happy and shouting on me now. Might be the only time I get you to shout. Tim, you weren't here. while. Well, I'm not going to go there. I don't think they were. I, they were I, I, we ain't going there. <laughs> but that book of Galatians, it says, You ran well, but who has hindered you that you should not obey the truth that I've told you? This persuasion comes from not him that called you, but Paul found an answer for this problem just like many others had, had found the answers to the problems of the hindrances in their life. He found the resolution. He found out what was needed. He learned what Solomon had realized because Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes talked about all the efforts that he had made, right? This is my little preacher man. He didn't look like I got a little preacher haircut and everything. Little, all those little moments that Solomon had, the vanity of all vanities, he said, it was it knowledge, or was it power, or was it wealth? He sought out for all of those things. But at the end of the book, what did he say? None of these things. It was all vanity of vanities. I was chasing so many things that the end of the day did not matter. You know what? Most of the things that are hindering you at the end of the day really aren't going to matter they're just not they're not they're not that little family drama i had something where i was going on and i had something for my my child and, and i did something and and there was some things some potential discussion going on or some thoughts going on and i thought you know what at the end of the day when i'm in the box down at the end of the row and Brother Tim's doing the message, or, or, or whoever, or Randy, or whoever, or whatever, or whoever. Or you, yeah. He said me. They're not going to say, but you know what? He, he he didn't get him a birthday present that one year. Wasn't he horrible? It ain't going to matter, is it, Jared? The golf outing really didn't matter that you all didn't win that day, that you didn't hit par. didn't matter that... Nick, right? Nick won or you won. What matters is that you guys were together. That's all that mattered. And see, that's what that father realized when he was out on that outing with his son. They were fighting about who was going to win. And no, you took a shot you shouldn't have. Or you did this. And before you know, for three, four holes, this beautiful day that they were supposed to enjoy together was a, a battle of wills and pride and father and son argument moments. Any of you guys ever had those? And finally, the dad got wise. Maybe the same thing as mother and daughter moments. The dad got wise and said, you know what? Let's don't keep score. Let's just have fun. Let's just hit the ball. If you take three extra shots, I don't care. If I take four, I don't care. At the end of the day, let's just be together. And also that day became an enjoyable day because it was no longer about the score and the competition and all the drama and all the hindrances and all the things that took away the joy. Many of you are allowing hindrances and things like that to take away your joy. You're walking in defeat, you're walking in despair. You're not walking wherein you were called, but you're walking in defeat, despair. You've had opportunity to be a Samson. You've had opportunity to be a disciple. You've had an opportunity to experience a Ruth moment. You've had an opportunity to experience a Boaz moment. You've had so many chances that God has given you, but you failed because you've interjected itself Like in the book of Galatians, you've gone back to the former things that you thought would work before. Let me give you a quick answer It's going to solve it all. Can I do that? There you go. Thank you, Ruth. Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, but God forbid, I'm going to paraphrase. Can I I paraphrase this first a little bit for you? But God forbid that I should glory or worry or stress about anything else, but in the cross of Jesus Christ. That I should worry about any of these other things but in the cross of Christ. Because by that, everything else is crucified unto me. And the life that I now live is in that cross. And as many as a walk according to this rule, it tells us in Galatians 6.16, peace will be upon you and the mercy of the God of Israel will be upon you. I paraphrased that a little bit. I did not take it out of context, but that's basically what he was saying. I've called you and where you're living now was not the persuasion that I've called you. You've allowed hindrances to stop you, to defeat you, to cause you despair. But I want to tell you the answer of it is, is all the other things that you're worried about, stressed about, the family drama, the mama drama, the papa drama, the work drama. Oh, I've had a work week this week. Oh, have you ever had a work week where you just want to retire? I don't care. Sue, I've had it. This is like, you know, I just don't care anymore. I'm going to live poor. I'll be poor. Chris, can I come over and sweep your all's floors? Chris said I can come sweep floors. I'll I'll sweep them better than anybody, brother. Application will be in the mail tomorrow. I tell you, I don't care. It ain't about the money anymore, honey. It's about peace. I'm tired of the phone call, Sue. How about you? Tired of all that. But then I realized as I was sitting down in the basement Friday night praying and trying to get a word from the Lord, I was stressing about all those things. I was trying to come up with this. I was trying to, God, I know you want me to speak this week. I've had 15 messages that I could talk about, and now none of them fit. None of them seem right. So I go down in the basement and I just turn off the lights and I sit down in there and I'm reading the word and I'm reading the word and I open up to the book of Galatians and I see where the word of God through Paul counseled me and he comforted me He says, but I will just glory in the cross. I tell you what, that's what I want to tell you. It's just about glorying in the cross. None of that other stuff matters. When I'm gone, they ain't going to care. Chris, when I sweep in your floors, that old job ain't going to care about that tool anymore. Sue, they ain't going to care about the bus routes anymore. They're going to find another person to annoy And all the things that we allow to distract us and to defeat us and cause us despair. And Paul told us it's just about living in the cross and walking with the Christ. And that's what I want to tell you. We've had opportunity. Oh, we've been oppressed. One thing I want to tell you before I get out of here today. It's about Jesus. It's about your relationship with him. It's about what relationship you have with him. It's about do you know him? It's about if you've accepted the cross of Christ and the finished work on Calvary and the blood applied into your life. Because I tell you what, we can live defeated and by the problems, and we can be like a Solomon and say, or we can be like this, or we can. But those guys learned a lesson. Solomon realized it says, fear God and honor his word and keep his commandments. Paraphrase that a little bit. It is also, as Paul said, glorify and live in the cross of Christ. And there's been so many others. And why I can tell you something about this, and why I can tell you that I believe this, because I've added so much to it in my own works that I've made it tough sometimes. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not fancy enough. How many of you have ever done that to yourself? Those are, all of you have your battles. I, I, I don't deserve to be. I, I'm not righteous enough. I need to be better. You know, I, I only read 10 verses this month. And my wife read 11. Oh, gosh, I'm lost. Mark's got it worse. He's married to a saint. <laughs> you know, you know. I sit there and I tell you, in my household, we in the men's group one talked about one time, I tell you, we were going through some moments of fears and failures and defeat. And I'm not saying this in, in a moment. I said, you know, sometimes we as men of God are to be the leaders and the, and the men of God. And here we are. We've got such wonderful women of God. How, how in the world could I ever be a leader amongst that? They're such godly women, and, and they're so, and they're right. A, 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 a sister Connie, a, a, I could go on so many. How, how could I ever? Do, how could we ever do that? But but God said it's not based on what. The, it's not that you're going the wrong way. You're not getting it. It's about me and you. See what I learned that I needed to go back and remember, and I would think I, you might want to do the same thing. Jesus was enough. All that other stuff didn't matter. Jesus was enough. When I was sitting in an altar in a Sunday night service, not an altar in a church on a Sunday night service one time, and I didn't understand all this church stuff. I I didn't get the books. I didn't know the books. I didn't understand the Bible. I knew there was a book of Daniel because my name was Daniel's. I I tell you, it was so funny. I found a four-leaf clover one time, and I stuck it in the book of Daniel for extra good luck. Had that one right, didn't? How'd that? You all didn't think of that one, did ya? Now, if y'all go out and look for four-leaf clovers this week, but you know, is there a book of? Yeah, your name's in there somewhere. Stick it in that page right next to your name, right? I thought it was extra good, Matthew. You could stick a whole book. Bu- you could stick a whole bouquet in Matthew. Yeah. But you know what? When I was going, realizing all this drama I've added, you know, do I know enough scripture? Do I know enough verses? None of that matters. Jesus was enough. He was enough when I was lost. He was enough when I was sitting in a church on that Sunday night and I didn't understand a thing, but I felt the Spirit of God tug at my heart and pull me forward to an altar of prayer. And I came down to an altar of prayer and I prayed and I prayed a prayer that I probably wouldn't fit into the box of how you're supposed to pray. I didn't say all the right words. I didn't, the Romans 10, 9 and 10, I didn't read those specific verses. I don't even know if they even opened up to that. I didn't hear a word they said. I don't remember a word they spoke. All I remembered is I was down at the altar and I felt a relief within my spirit come up and something connected to me and to a God that came to me and he connected unto me and I felt a power and a joy and a spirit within my heart leap for joy and it was so much that it couldn't contain and I shouted from the depths of my spirit. He was enough. He was enough. He was enough in that moment. But since then, I've added so much to it that I've made it less. You know what? That's wrong. Tim, he was enough when you were standing there in that church in that Sunday night service in your cool little Michael Jackson jacket or what you used to wear. He said he had a leather jacket. Not a Michael Jackson jacket. Okay, a Fonzie, Fonzie jacket. Fonzie jacket. Okay. Yeah, you're a little too young for Michael Jackson jacket. His little Fonzie jacket. You know, and that guy turned around and looked at him and said, Well, Tim, it's really good that you've got a spirit of conviction. But you know what? Do you know the Beatitudes? Do you know the Lord's Prayer? Do you know Romans 10, 9, and 10? Do you know all the commandments? Oh, well, you just can't get saved. No. He turned around and said, What would he say, brother? Jesus loves you or something? Jesus loves you. That was enough for a 13-year-old boy to go to an altar prayer and be saved. And the same thing happened to you, didn't it? When you were in church and you were feeling condemned over that... Thing that you have, or that battle that you fought, or those things that have been going on in your life, and the failures that you've gone through, and the defeat that you've gone through, and all the things that the devil's told you, and all the battles that you fought, and all the things that's going on that you're just not good enough, and you're not good enough, and that ain't good enough, and you're never gonna make it, and you're not righteous enough, and you don't fit in, and you're not the model, and you're not this. None of those things mattered, but you got up. You felt the Spirit of God move upon your heart. And you walk down and you knelt down to an altar of prayer and say, Lord, just as I am, I come unto you. I don't know why you want me. I don't know why you're calling me. I don't know why you're wanting to save me. But I'm coming just if you want me. How many of you said that? If you want me, because I ain't much. If you want me, I ain't worth it. If you want me, I don't deserve it. But if you really want me. If you, Tim, I took your testimony in my Bible this week and read it. It's still in my Bible. If you really want what I was, you sure? Randy, you you sure? Randy, you sure? All of us. Yeah, I want you. And we went to an altar prayer and we knelt down and said, Lord, take me as I am. And he saved us. You know why? He was enough. He was enough, and he's going to be enough for you right now in whatever life point you are in right now. See, Jesus was enough. Let me tell you what else. He is enough. He is enough. Stop adding these hindrances into your life that are bringing you nothing but defeat. Stop building them. Stop doing them. Stop counting on them. Stop depending upon them. I've got some news for you. You're never going to be righteous enough in yourself. You're not going to be. But I remember my brother Bobby, if he doesn't mind me using his testimony, had a moment of sometimes of you had a bad time one time. Things weren't going where you were supposed to go, and your faith lackened, and you kind of uh, had some moments there. You had a Samson moment. I'm not saying he was in a lusting or whatever, but, you know, Bobby had a moment where he wasn't in church. He just walked away for a bit. And I remember what he said when they invited him back, and if I've got this wrong, correct me later. But on the pulpit, there was a cross. And he took a step, and he says, if, if I can just make it to the cross, I'll be all right. You know Why? Because Jesus is enough. And the finished work on that cross, that's all you need. And anything else you add to it is your own works, your own legalism, your own efforts, your own religion. And I marvel and God marvels and the Spirit of God marvels. Says, Why are you adding all these other things? Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. And his finished work on the cross, the blood that was applied, has cleansed you and saved you, and he is enough. He was enough for Christ. Excuse me, he was enough for Paul. He was enough for Peter. He was enough for Thomas. He was enough for all those other disciples that I've mentioned. But you know what? He was enough for people that I know. He's been enough for people that were alcoholics. He's changed their lives. He's been enough for people that were drug addicts. He's changed their lives. There's a man that i just, and I'm not worshiping a man or something, but I've really enjoyed hearing the testimony of Lauren Larson. I don't know if anybody knows him from Family Worship Center Ministries. He's a minister on that church. He's the one that doesn't have a hand that was destroyed in an industrial accident. He was a cocaine, drug, alcoholic, and and in jail and all the things. And this morning his testimony he said but I realized that Christ was enough. And he said you could put a line of cocaine out and put every alcoholic thing in the world that I used. he says those things are crucified unto me. They're no longer part of my life. You know why? Because Jesus is enough. But I also want to counsel you on this. If Jesus isn't enough for you now, he never will be. Hear that? If he isn't enough now, he never will be. See, you'll keep wanting to add things to it. You'll keep wanting to do more. You'll keep wanting to try harder, to be more righteous, to be better. I I need to do this. I've had so many people that I've heard in my life, well, well, I'll come to church. But boy, if I walk into church, the walls would fall down. How many of you ever heard that? (laughs) No, they won't. I don't think. <laughs> we don't, Samson had some wall moments, so we're going to hang on there. But Jesus is enough. But they in themselves think that they need to do the good works. I, when I stop cussing, I'll come to church. When, when, when I stop drinking, I'll come to church. When I stop doing this or that or this or that, or this, when I stop being all those things, then I'll come to church, and then I've done enough good works in myself, and then I feel righteous enough, and then I can present myself to a holy God and say, Here I am, all cleaned up and righteous and holy. And he says, Oh, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I marvel that you've done nothing but your own religion. Oh, you're so wrong. You're so wrong. You fell so short. It's in the crucified Christ. We're celebrating this week Palm Sunday. And next week we're going to celebrate the resurrection of that crucified Christ. Because not only was Jesus enough. And not only is Jesus enough. But he will always be enough. From this day forward he will always be enough. But I want to close. Musicians not yet. But I want to get close to the end here. Because I want to tie it back to Samson. See, Samson failed, didn't he, Sue? (laughs) Messed up just about as bad as anybody. He was blinded. The world blinded him. He was made mock of. He was made sport of. They had beaten him. They had defeated him. They had knocked him down. They said, Almighty Samson that was supposed to be a deliverer is now a prisoner. Oh, mighty Samson that slew thousands is now going to be slain by thousands. Oh, mighty Samson that was so powerful. Now look at him. He thought he was going to be so much, but now look at how many of you feel that same way? Oh, you started out with Jesus and you were on fire for Him when you were ready to go, and you were ready to witness to your family, you were ready to witness to your loved ones, you were ready to tell people about the marvelous work that's been done in your life. You felt like you were so powerful. You felt like you could change the world. But then all of a sudden the world began to languish you. The Delilahs came on. See, Delilah is symbolic of the world. It tore him down. It weakened him down. It weakened his defenses. And it breaking him down so much. And it broke him down so much. Eventually, they shaved off all the hair of his head. They poked out his eyes. And they made sport of him and mocked him. Yeah, you say you want them Christians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. How's your religion working for you now that I've yelled at you? Your family members ever done that to you? How's that Jesus working out for you now? Your life's falling apart. You can't even pay your bills. Yeah, Jesus. You know what you need to do? You need to grab hold of some of them pillars. Samson said, oh God, I know I've failed. I know I've failed. I know I've messed up. But oh, if I can just get to the pillars. If I can just get there and grab on one more time. If I can just get back to where God wants me to be, what God called me to be, what God has done in me. If I can get back to my calling, if I can get back to where I'm supposed to be. Oh God, if I could get back to that where I knew you were enough and I know you are enough and I know you'll always be enough. Then I can do the job and I can be the man, woman, child of God that you've called me to do. But I just need to get back to the pillars. I need to hang on and grab on and say, God, strengthen me one more time that I may do what you've called me to do. Strengthen me one more time that I may finish the work, that I may be the one, that I may be the child, man, woman of God that you've called me to do. I don't care that I failed before. I don't care that I've messed up before. I don't care that I've lost before. But Goliath, I mean, excuse me, Samson got in the middle of those pillars and he hung on. He said, God, strengthen me one more time. And God come upon him in a mighty way. And all those hindrances, all those defeats, all those moments. See, it didn't matter that moment that he had his Delilah moments. It didn't matter at that moment that he was blind. It didn't matter that moment that his hair was shaven. It didn't matter that moment that they had mocked him and scorned him. All that mattered at that moment was that he was hanging on, that all that God had given him and hanging on with everything that he had. He said, God, just use me just one more time. Just give me one more chance. But, But the key is this. And I usually don't do this, but I felt it was an appropriate song. So, Julia and Matt, if you guys can get ready and start talking about it as they go up to play tonight. It's about Christ. And yeah, the other musicians, I'm sorry. It's about you and Christ. All these other things that you've added, just drop it off. Get rid of it. Remove it. It's not working for you. See, you've had opportunity. But you've been oppressed. You failed. But there's one thing. One thing. One thing. I like what Samson wrote right here. I'm going to read it verbatim. Suffer me one more time to let me feel the pillars whereupon my house stands. The house stands. O Lord, remember me Strengthen me because I've got a calling to do. See, I know that there's men of God in here and other people have got women, men and women and potentially children and young people of God, that God's trying to call you. God's trying to use you. God's wanting to do a work in you. But you've allowed yourself to be defeated and you've allowed yourself to feel that you're not worthy enough. And that you're not righteous enough, nor are you good enough. Guess what? You're not. <clears throat> you're not. Never will be. But God's calling is without reproach. He needs some, some Samson's. He needs some disciples. He needs some people to do a work for him. But you're not going to do it in your flesh You're not going to do it through the work of the Galatians, going back to your ability and your capabilities and all of the things that you think you can work up. It's not going to happen. It can only be done through dependence upon the blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Calvary on your behalf and your total faith and your total reliance in the finished work of the cross of Christ for you. That's a lot to say. But you will never be, again, let me see. You will never be the man, woman, or child that God has meant you to be if you're doing it in your own flesh, in your own works, and in your own self-righteousness. You'll be like those Galatians going back to the former things of the law to be righteous. Circumcision, this, this, that. It will never be enough. Never. Because once you figure that one out, the old world will add something else you're supposed to be. It's about your total reliance in the finished work of the cross of Christ through the blood of Christ on your behalf and your acceptance in that finished work if you're an attic the sins of the flesh are still going to try to pull at you that old man's going to raise his hands every once in a while But like Lauren Larson said, yeah, that desire may be back in the dark, dark room so far back. But, oh, a new king is the one I serve now. And that pull is so much stronger. Because Jesus was enough to save me, and he is enough, and he's enough to be it all. Oh, if you're someone who felt that this, or felt of that, or felt of that. You've had mountaintop moments or you've had enough or you've done all these things but it's never worked out and you've always seemed to stumble rather than run. You've always seemed to fall rather than fly. You've always seemed that you've messed up rather than, than, than fixed it. You've always felt that it's never just done right. It's never just been enough. It's not going to be. But in Christ, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, is the answer to those hindrances in your life. Sister Julia, as we stand.
1: In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure, And by His strength alone I overcome. And oh, I can stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand. But those trophies do not equal to the grace by which I stand.
3: If you felt that you're being defeated, if you feel like you've been weakened, if you feel like you just need to come to an altar of prayer, give it all to Jesus. Stop trying to do it in yourself. Come to the Christ. Run to the cross.
1: Christ alone.
3: Repeating what's been saying through the message. You must ask yourself a question as you sit here today. See, I believe that the work of the Spirit of God has already done its work. I don't need to languish you or to keep talking to you, but I will counsel you that if Jesus hasn't been enough for you lately, if you feel like you've been failing and you're losing and it's just not working out, See, so many people will say, well, I tried that church thing, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, you did. You sure tried. You tried really, really hard, and it didn't work. But have you ever surrendered to the finished work of Christ alone? Have you ever surrendered to the finished work of Christ alone? Because he wants to take these hindrances and these failures and these defeats that you're experiencing in your life, and he wants to give you victory. He wants to give you victory as you walk with Him. Because, see, these hindrances and these things that are pulling you down has not come from Him that has called you. But the one that has called you has called you into peace. So we're going to sing just a little bit more here. If you need to pray, if you feel like that, yeah, God, things just aren't quite right. I don't have what I once had. That joy I had when I first got saved, now it's just kind of duty. That joy that I had when you first called me, now it just feels like obligation. Oh, it's just becoming a job. It's just becoming this. Yeah, it's not what it's supposed to be about. So Sister Julia sings another verse or two her. Matt, if you need to come pray, I'm done talking at you. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord has done his work, and Pastor Tim will close the services he sees fit.
1: In Christ alone will I glory, for only by his grace am I redeemed. For only his inner mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my needs. And now I seek no no greater greater honor than than just just to know him more. more. the glow My source of hope is Christ alone.